What it is, everybody? Welcome to episode 120 of Fish and Connoisseura Movie. My name's David Pether. You can call me Fish. With me, as always, my favorite sack of shit. Colin McBuff. Connor McDuff. Sorry. Connor McDuff. <laughs> G'day, everybody. How are we? How are you, good. Fish? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And we've got Tracy, the lovely Tracy B. You hadn't been introduced yet, and you said good. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm just that good. I wanted to say it. She was feeling well, that good. That's how it was. How are you, Tracy well, B? You are good? Is I that... am fantastic. Excellent. Now, we've, we've all sat down, and we've watched another Resident Evil film. How are we feeling about the franchise so far, guys? Oh, it just keeps getting better and better, doesn't it? <laughs> It's, it's been a fun ride, and I can't wait to not finish it because we've got other films we have to watch. We've still got four <laughs> more reviews ahead of us. This one, yeah. were, this this particular review will be for Resident Evil Extinction. Number three for those who aren't up with the Resident names of Evil, these fucking things. Mad Max, the same <laughs> thing. You are so on the, so on the money there. <laughs> Well, let's get straight into it. Colin McBuff, can you please tell us what happened in Resident Evil Mad Max, Resident Evil sure? Fury Road, Resident Evil The Road Warrior Extinction? Evil. Please go. Resident Evil Tom Hardy is... Uh, it's a good story. It's a, it's a great story. It's about a woman... Basically, it's a post-apocalyptic film that has tried very hard to sever its connections with the second one. So we have Alice back. There's an um, Umbrella Corp are out. It's all desert. Everything's desert. Everything's dead. It's all, everything's dying. The virus infected the entire world. So it's all pretty messed up. It basically looks like a Mad Max film. That's the joke we're making. Uh, you got Alice. She's on her own on her motorcycle, just hanging out, trying to figure out life and stuff and not get tracked by Umbrella Corp, who have created clones and clones and clones of her. And all the clones are basically being used as a test subject to basically create the ultimate super weapon because that's what Alice was meant to be anyway. In the meantime, the convoy that has, what's his name, the Mexican bloke from the second one and... Carlos? Not Carlos, yeah. I don't know. And LJ and not Jill Valentine, which is never explained. Instead, we have Claire Redfield. They're in a convoy with a bunch of people and they're trying to find like somewhere to survive, basically. Blah, 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 things happen. The, um, Alice and the gang meet up and they don't really mind that she's been gone for a while. It's kind of mentioned a little bit and then it's nothing. LJ dies, just he's dead, so yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they gotta figure out what's going on. So they find out that Alaska, is this, there's this place in Alaska called Arcadia where they need to go and, and that's where they can go and live and survive. So they're like, yep, we're going to go there. So they end up by the bloody base, basically. Oh, no, they don't. They end up by something <laughs> where there's a bunch of zombies and the some stuff happens. Umbrella. Oh, the helicopter. The helicopter. So they find a helicopter. Like, we'll take the helicopter to Arcadia because all of our buses and stuff are effed in the air. They're not going to take us to Arcadia. So they end up at a base. The Mexican guy's been bitten, so he sacrifices himself, blows up as a distraction. They all get in. The bad guy, the bad doctor guy who isn't Albert Wesker has been bitten, so he's evil as F. They all get in the helicopter except Alice. Alice goes downstairs. She's like, hey, man, I don't appreciate what you're doing. Can you stop? And he responds with a formal written complaint, and he says no. And by that, I mean he has a bunch of tentacles and tries to kill her. And as, she's about to, as he's about to kill her, he keeps going on about he can't, he can't die, and then a bunch of lasers kill him. What a fucking pussy. So he dies. A clone saved her. 
now she's got a whole clone army and she tells Albert Wesker and the rest of Umbrella Corp that she's coming for them with her clone army. The Boom, end. Oh, and that's the next movie we'll be talking about. Well, listen, mm. I want to, uh, before we get into the review, I want to, because I've sort of referenced how every one of these movies have come at like a significant point in my life. Yeah. So the first one I was, you know, just getting into horror. The second one I was getting into filmmaking it was like, grade 12 for me it was finishing off that era now i'm out of high school i'm into the workforce my parents just built this awesome like bar theater room in the back of our our house back in townsville and one of the very first marathons that i ever had in there was resident evil 1 2 and 3 i remember gathering all my friends because this one had just come out on dvd and we got that and that all happening so I've now become a man and I'm watching movies with my friends in a cool theater room. So that's where this movie has hit off in my life. First thing I want to talk about as we get into the review is, as we did with the last one, it's what the, the, the connections are to the video games. Because this, this is based on a video game, believe it or not. Now, yeah. could you guys see anything here? Well, this is meant to be based on Resident Evil 3, isn't it? No, not at all. No, not well, because I haven't seen. I, I've never played Resident Evil Three. That's the only one of the only ones I don't know anything about, and so. Well, Resident I Evil don't... Three is based around the same time that Resident Evil Two is, so it's all in Raccoon City. Ah, uh, okay, right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I, I'm not. No, I don't really see any connections in this whatsoever. <laughs> well, because Claire Redfield's um in it now from the game, right? Yes. Like she's Claire. Claire's from Resident Evil Two and Code Veronica, so she's a big deal as a character. She's also yeah, the also... sister of, of Chris, Redfield, Chris Redfield, who's obviously your favourite, Connor. Woo! And um, Wesker is, uh, he's the big bad oh, from the yeah, games, Wesker's isn't he? Oh, yeah, Wesker's in it. Hey, what up? That's right. <laughs> yep. We've got Wesker. And then the only other connection that I can see is what Dr. Isaacs turns into, the big tyrant. Because I don't know why they called him Dr. Isaacs, but... That character is basically based off a character in the games called William Birkin, who is the creator of the T-Virus and, and all that sort of thing. I can, and, I can actually answer your question there, though, Fish. They called him Dr. Isaacs because it's a reference to uh, Jason Isaacs because he played that doctor in the uh, first one, but he couldn't come back for that role. So they um, just named him after him as like a little nod. Okay, that's cool. But fuck that shit. <laughs> nobody knows about fucking Mr. Isaacs. Like, you're the only one who knows about him. Like, nobody fucking cares about that shit. We care about the video game. I care about William Birkin. I don't care about a fucking nod to some, you know, other actor who's the friend of the fucking producer. Call him William <laughs> Birkin. That's who he is. And he even turns into the fucking creature. Like, the, that's like a big boss in the games is the tyrant that he turns into. Anyway. That's my right. So the, this, this is fucked because there's literally next to no reference to the games. Like you've got those three characters, but they're nothing to do with the storylines of the games. They're nothing to do with anything. Like at, around the same time that this came out, I think Resident Evil 4 had come out and that was all Leon out in Europe somewhere. So it's a completely different thing. The, the world hasn't been overrun by zombies. It's just like certain pockets here and there. So I'm really interested to see, like, know why they went this way. Uh, I'd say it probably would have to... Well, I don't know. I want to say it would have to do with the director. But then again, Paul Anderson did write this one again, so... So basically, like, what I've gathered is they try and 
and this is what I thought when I was watching this one is like what they've done is they're basically putting this character and these and this this whole story into as many different like apocalypse scenarios as possible. Mm. Like in the first one, you've got those horror elements of like it being almost. It's very isolated and, you know, in, in, that, in that little world, in that little... Basically like a torture room is what that factory, that, where the hive was. Yeah. It's this whole thing. It's a maze. And then the second one is in a city where a city's being overrun by, you know, zombies, but there's still people around. And now this one is full-on fallout post-apocalypse yeah. world where everything is crazy and, and messed up. And, like, what I gather is, like, they just... Think of these things. They're like, "Yep, oh, let's let's do a desert," and they just put it in and that's sell a it. cool because, situation. Yeah, because like they clearly, I think I think they gave up on the attachment to video games pretty pretty much effective immediately. And what I feel like happened is the you know the producers and executives and stuff don't really see the appeal of attaching it too much to a video game, and so they I I feel like it's it's the director and the writer trying to put what they can in while still getting away with it. Like, that's how I feel. Because last mm. time we spoke about this, we were talking about how Paul... Is it WS? Paul WS Paul Anderson? Paul W. Yeah. Anderson, yeah. Um, Paul was Anderson. Um, he, <laughs> he basically was like, well, I wanted to write a script closer to the video games than the last script that came through. And so if, if that's what happened and that's true, then clearly this, the, like, you know, this distribution team or whatever it is they're the ones that are sitting there going, nah, like, that's too much, that's too much, cut it back. So, like, I reckon it, that's what it is. It's got to be that because there's no way, uh, after seeing this now, the third film in the installment with a writer who's clearly very committed, would neglect something he tries to, he tries to put in. He clearly tries. He clearly is trying to give it a go. He's put Claire Redfield in. Where the fuck is Jill Valentine? Just quickly, what happened there? Yes, I had the same question. Is because they were like the team at the end of the last movie, weren't they? And but what I've what I've read is that the actress who played Jill was committed to that Aragon movie, so she had to to you know step away from the role. Originally, oh, she screwed up. Yeah, absolutely. That was a horrible movie. But um, originally the role of Claire Redfield, I think, was going to be Jill. But oh, then, yeah. but then when this actress couldn't come back, they they were like, oh well, we'll bring another character from the video games in, in the form of Ali Lada. Woohoo! I'm fucking so glad they did that though. Yeah, she's fucking great. She's a great Claire Redfield, I think. Um, even yeah, though I think she, the character she's great. is. Not really much like it is in the video games, but, you know, whatever. They've got the name. They've got a kick-ass chick there. We've got another heroine, another strong female presence in there who basically plays exactly the same role. Yeah, they role. really like their strong female women, don't they? Strong female women. Yeah, they really like their, <laughs> their, their like, empowered women. There's only, like... They've literally, quite literally, any character that does anything in, this, in these films are girls, and the only people... Who live are women. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All the guys die like immediately. <laughs> What's his name? The the Mexican dude that I Carlos. love. Carlos. Yeah, he's just like a total badass. I'm like, yeah, like connections to prior films through a really cool character. That's awesome. Good for you. I'm ha oh, he's dead. <laughs> like, I was like, what the hell? Like, they, I'm so upset. He just dies. It was so disappointing. He's they always cool seem death. to have. Um, they always have Alice, and then like the girl under her. So there's mm. Michelle Rodriguez, and then we had Jill in the last one, and now we've got Claire in this one. But it's funny because, like, looking at these characters in this world, like, it's such a huge tonal change, isn't it? Like, in comparison to what we've been watching. Like, it's 
I don't know what it is. You know how like in the last the last film we were watching, I was kind of criticizing them because Alice kind of as a character would come in and um and she was pissing me off because she kind of wrecked this cool sort of. In, I don't know. It always felt like she was added on top of an already established story, mm. the Mad Max syndrome, basically. But in this, like, while that is true, I think they did a better job of having, especially someone like Claire, like, of having her kind of actually be valuable to what's going on and not be this sort of day smuck enough for everyone. Yeah, because like, she's running. She wasn't running the. Any of her the, weird, any of the weird, outlandish, crazy stuff she did felt justified in this one, which was strange. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I that. feel I feel I feel like they kind of explained it quite well though. Cuz I feel like in the last one there wasn't really any consequences to her using a big bad power whereas in this one you could see that she was physically exhausted after using it that you were kind of like okay, I would believe her not using that power that often because it's going to take her out of the fight if she uses it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that was that was pretty nice. What don't you agree with? What what did you think was really silly fish? Like you said just before Connor, there is a big tonal change in this film, and I kind of like it. Like I, I like, besides you know my annoyance at them not sticking to the video game stories, this is quite a decent progression for a world that has been overtaken by zombies. Okay, so it's eight years later or five years later or whatever it is, and there's, there's you know the whole world is fucked. We're in this post-apocalyptic thing. It feels like a, a good progression. Alice doesn't feel as overpowered as she was. Like, she is still very overpowered, but she, at least, there is consequence to it, like you said, Tracy. But I still feel that the telekinesis thing is kind of fucking lame. You reckon? Yeah. What is it about it that you don't like? It's just, why does she have to have that sort of power? Why can't we just have a person who is, like, a physical marvel who can take on these fucking hordes? I agree. Like, that fucking scene where she's sleeping with the you know at a campfire and all the rocks start rising i was like really like is this what is this what this is like as I cool as it is cool. it's not it's just doesn't it doesn't fit this world for me it's too it's too fantastical yeah that was kind of like one of the issues i had like while i felt like there was justification as to why it was happening it still came down to the fact that like i'm watching what i want to be a zombie movie with someone who's pretty well well versed in how to survive and instead, like, there's this added addition of I'm watching a zombie movie and also she has the ability to, like, do crazy cool stuff with her mind at any given moment and that can totally change the plot. Like, she stops that fire from killing that guy. Yeah. And while it's a cool moment, All of a like, she's got I'm the watching... Force a f- powers, yeah. Yeah, I'm watching a film and I'm like, man, I, I don't want to see... Like, I'd rather just... I'd rather her just save him. Like... Yeah, and I don't know, manner? as a human being, yeah. like, yeah, physically, yeah, it was like, a bit, stop a bit that. Too dream warriors. That, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's exactly what it is. I feel like all of a sudden we've t- we've gone into fantasy rather than like a scientific thriller. Like before, I could understand, like even in even in Apocalypse, when she's just flipping around and you know just can do these crazy shits, like <laughs> these crazy shits, do crazy <laughs> shit that. Uh, you know that it could physically be done by a person you know what i mean like she can she can actually she's just better than everyone else whereas now that there's like mind games like mind powers coming into it like we're looking at x-men now where all of a sudden we're mutants and i understand that this whole franchise is built around the character of alice especially from now like as we go further 
into the sequels. It's it's more about like what has happened to Alice, what's changing with her. Like she's Project Alice now. We know that she's being controlled but in some way by Umbrella and that she's been tested on and turned into this crazy thing. And that's cool. Like I'm going with that. I like the fact that we've got this physical Marvel but to bring in fantastical powers like that just makes it's just like you've taken a step too far for me. I I now don't believe this world as much as I could have and I feel like it's just too easy for her to step out and destroy a, a murder of crows, you know? Um even though it does yeah. physically fuck her up, like she just comes out it's like cuz that scene, the crow scene is incredible. Yeah. such a good scene and you're like how the hell are they going to get out of this and for it to be just like a, oh look now I can do this thing with my mind and I'll kill them all it's fine mm. it's just a bit of a cop out to me oh interesting also after five years they end up in the same place that to me was a little ridiculous like she's left abandoned her friends and like just consequently oh hey we're, we happen to be in a pretty damn <clears throat> close radius of each other. What are the chances? What are of the that? chances of like, this in the whole world? Yeah, there's not a lot of people left in the world. I don't understand how that could happen the way it did. That was something that really sort of irked me. It's, I don't know. It's destiny. They were meant yeah, to find each destiny. other. This, this, these <laughs> films do this thing where, like, they, like, as of the third one, I've noticed they just have no care to connecting the prior film. Like, they really didn't care. They were like, yeah. She's on her own. Oh, look, like that could have been any group of survivors and we would have just been like, it's, it would have been the same story. Yeah. The only thing that they really get into a little bit is the backstory behind Mr. Mexico and, <clears throat> and Alice. But that's, that's literally like two minutes of screen time. The rest is Claire Redfield's a new character. They don't really care about LJ, who was just the comic relief in the first one. You had that perfect like entourage there, that comedy, like that, that, that sort of group, movie entourage. Yeah. And next minute, he gets bitten at the start and he's so irrelevant. Like, he's nothing. Mm. He's just the obligatory one of us is bitten. That's what he is. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah, so it's, weird. You're like, right, because... That, that annoyed me a they, lot. They've, they really haven't taken the time to connect, especially the fact that Alice isn't with the group. Like, they could have said anything. Like, they got split up. They, you know, a, a horde of zombies become between them. But her reasoning is because she didn't want, you know, people to track them. They're... You know, they, she's staying off the grid, staying away from the satellite things, which is cool. Okay, I can I can believe that. But why can't they be with her away from the satellite things? And okay, she doesn't want to put them in danger. But now she comes back, and now she stays with them, and now she puts them in danger. Like, no, that's yeah. flaky as fuck. Uh, the LJ thing, and actually all the characters, all other characters actually, other than Carlos, no, our main ones, Claire and Alice... There's some really yeah. cool things going on there. They, they've they've set up a lot of cool characters. Oh, like we there get, were we so get... many cool characters, so many. Yeah, they've got like you like for one, we've got LJ, who was the fun guy from the start. So he should have just been in this whole franchise. Like let's be yeah. honest, like him coming yeah. through this would have been great because we we just cut back to him saying something funny because Carlos, Claire, and Alice are all so straight that it's quite boring at mm. times. And then we've got like the bus driver who's like. This weird, like, uh, was he English? Yeah. I don't shaking know. Like his, he shaking his cans. Yeah, he has that that skill that he can he can hear what's inside a can. Like, 
let's yeah. let's see that come back into play. And then we've got Ashanti. Oh god! <laughs> like, Although the- to be honest, I was pretty pretty happy that she died out pretty quick because I was just like, wow. But the, why uh, even have her? Like she's I know. like I, I recognize her. She's a she's you know an old pop star or something. And I was like, oh, she's gonna be something. And then she, and she's gonna be like LJ's like love interest or something and they kind of are but then because LJ gets bitten and turns into a zombie that doesn't eventuate into anything my biggest problem here is that they kill off all of the character actors all the yes. interesting characters just get killed off and it's all in that in that and a lot of it's in that crow scene it's just like boom almost, they're all gone. All, almost all of it's in that crow scene yeah. yeah which I get I get that they have to do that to really like up the ante to be like okay this is a really tense scene but they killed off so many of the best characters from that scene like they seriously could have just killed off Ashanti and I don't know maybe like one other person who was sort of good but just you know they should have killed off Kmart let's be real like came, that Kmart chick is so fucking white bread she's just oh, like yeah. another yeah. version of Claire Redfield we don't need another strong female female character we need a funny guy character we need Catelyn to come back Tracy yeah. D <laughs> I miss Catelyn he comes back from the dead <laughs> just something you know like it's, it's very it, the, the characters are all the same and they had different like they had that Aussie guy who yeah, was like Mikey. the comms dude like why kill these guys off <laughs> I know. the, the it- fucking the cowboy like he oh, dies later but like I love Chase he was so good you gotta give him props they've built a world and like I think I feel like we've been sit- if we were sitting here and watching a bunch of boring characters we'd be like man everyone in this character was boring like it was just watching a bunch of no names die and I mean like when they were when be- when they died I kind of felt something more because they were so interesting which well, which was yeah, cool yeah I was seriously yeah. like sitting on the edge of the couch going no no mm. why yeah. because I loved all these characters so much and I thought that was a real strength because but I think where they fail sorry I think where they fail is where they the ones that lived were really terrible yes <laughs> oh I don't think the ones that lived were really terrible I still liked a lot of the characters like I really did like Mikey and I didn't mind Kmart and I really liked Chase I was really annoyed when they all got killed off later except for Kmart though but I pretty much liked every character in this movie I can't really think of a single character aside from Ashanti's character that I really didn't like. I liked them all as well, but what I'm saying is that they've just killed off all the interesting ones, the ones that are different. Oh, and yeah. I feel like we need that little bit of flavor to continue through the saga, you know what I'm saying? Like if yeah. like LJ keeps going, fucking the, you know, the bus driver keeps going. Like they all felt like they were, because they've set them up so well, I felt like some of them deserved to live at least yeah. a little bit longer and not just get culled off in one big crow scene, you know? Um, yeah. As good as it is to see characters die, and I, I will give them props for it because I did care, like you guys. I was like, "Shit, why are they killing these people?" Like, no. Yeah. And and, and I don't I don't want them to die. I don't want any of them to die. Like, I don't want Claire to die. I don't want Alice to die. But like, the my problem is that Claire and Alice are so similar. Just to have some someone different in there, like a different flavor, would have yeah. really like, amped I really- it up. I really think that Carlos should have went through. Like, I really, really liked Carlos, and I loved like his um, chemistry with Alice. I feel like it would have the series would have really been great if he could have stayed through. And yeah, like he said, someone like LJ, who's a bit of like a comedic relief. Um, mm. Yeah, just something to sort of change it up a little bit and sort of give it a bit of an extra dimension. But you know, a lot of negativity being thrown away on, around from my end here. But the the fact of the matter is, I've I've actually been sucked into this movie from the start because they do do a, a good job <gasps> of setting everything up. Oh, 
can we please talk about this opening? I am so fucking happy because, like, in the last two films, we spoke about it, and especially in the second one, I got so angry because I'm just so sick of these just horrible openings of just being talked to, you know, Alice, like, looking at the camera, telling me what's happening. And I was so fucking pleased to see that this film actually started with something that made me, like, sit up in my seat and go, oh, oh, hello, what's happening? We're back in the hive. We're back in the hive. Yep. And I I was sitting there kind of going, and I watched watched it with um, a friend of mine who I watched the first one with, and he was like, wait a second. He's like, have we got the right film on? Because it, you know, he, he's <laughs> yeah. like, he thought it was the first one, and I'm like, no, yeah, no, it, it, it is, it is extinction. And I was like, and in my head, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Like, I wonder what they're gonna do with this. Like, why they're sort of replaying the first film here, and and then when it sort of turned out to be just a bunch of clones, I was like, fuck, that is so cool. Yeah, it was really good. Like that whole, the whole. One thing I will say is that this movie has gone back to. At least in in certain scenes, they've gone back to that horror feeling. That first feel, like we go through the laser, the laser room, like the infamous laser room. And it's like, we know she can't get out of this, but she does. And it's like, fuck yeah. She beats the laser room. That's how good she is. And then like the, you know, the big saw falling down and cutting the bed in half. And it's, yeah. And then when you see her get shot, you're kind of like, oh, hold on. What the fuck? Uh, and then it's clones and it was a really good start to the film it really is horrific it was tense and seeing like the shot of all her bodies in that that little fucking so good so good so good yeah that was the sick shot the dolly the dolly shot kind of made that whole thing for me i was kind of waiting for it too it just seemed like such a like it had to be done is a shot of all the dead clones like it pulling back they drop Yeah, the moment they drop one of them, I'm like, there's going to be heaps of these. And there was, which was sick. And, like, it worked really well. It kind of made you question a lot. Yeah, and it was really good how it just kept going as well. Like, and then when you saw all the zombies, you're like, fuck! I was kind of disappointed, though, because, like, it's the opening to this film and it ends up being, like, such a nothing thing. Not the the whole Umbrella Corp aspect, but the, the experiments on Alice, like... No way. Kind of just like, no way, Connor. That's a massive nothing. thing. It is not nothing. That has so much to do How with the plot of the film. The rest of the film is them surviving, like trying to travel to Alaska. They end up talking about it a couple of times while he's busy creating zombies that are trying to read books or some shit, and they can't read books, and he creates a smart zombie army, and then gestures, oh, it's because we're trying to make sure Alice can't kill. It's like it's not like they're fighting clones of Alice. Like it's not. It's kind of like this big deal at the start, and then it doesn't really pop up later. Yeah, but it comes back at the end in a big way. And even though that kind of shit always pisses me off, just setting something up for, like, a next film, I still thought that it came in in a big way at the end. They, you know, the whole clones thing ended up being like, oh, shit, what's going to happen in the next fucking film? Oh, that's right. She's 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 her own Deix Machina. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. right. I yeah. forgot. She's her own... Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, how did I forget that? No, but I mean, like, this is what I'm saying. Like, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying, in the grand scheme of an hour thirty-four, which is exactly the runtime of this film, <laughs> we see it. It takes up maybe ten minutes, whereas them traveling in a bus, pretending that they've made the next Mad Max film, takes up a solid hour twenty. Yeah. Like, there's, <laughs> it's they they keep it, which I respect for them trying to keep it pretty isolated. That's definitely something they've tried to do now for the third time. And this one, it doesn't veer as much as, as the second and first. Like, the, the way the second one kind of had a bunch of different story strands, this one kind of only has two, where it's mm. Alice and the gang, and then 
Hey, just quickly, on a side note, if Alice is so, like, Alice goes to sleep, doesn't want to hurt anyone, and she can, like, literally raise everything around her and drop it in a heartbeat and destroy everything, why the hell is she with a group of survivors? Like, it, wouldn't, if she, like, has a nap, couldn't she just, like, break all their necks and stuff when she's asleep? <laughs> that, I don't understand that. That was my issue anyway, before, is that she, she, you know, the whole excuse that she wasn't around people was because she was afraid they would get hurt, and now she's with them, and it's okay. Like, I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Yeah, that, that bothered me. That irked me a little bit. But yeah, no, I think... Uh, but like the Umbrella Corp stuff in this one didn't seem too silly, which was cool too. Again, like one of the biggest issues I had was the contrast between the wackiness of Alice and her backflips and the rest of the tone of the film. Whereas in this one, while there were moments where I was like, what? Most of the like Umbrella Corp stuff kind of mesh very well. Like when they try and look for fuel and you think it's their only hope, you know, Umbrella Court set them up with a bunch of zombies. So they've kind of, they're part of the active plot. Yeah, I think really so. Nice. I agree. And and I I think that first scene is setting up, it is setting up the rest of the franchise really, but it's, it's really showing the fact like they're doing all these experiments to find the cure because they're trying to get the blood from Alice and the clone blood isn't, isn't doing the job sort of thing. I don't understand why they're putting it yeah. through all these obstacles and things but like because they could just build the thing and then take the blood out of it but unless they de- like they never talk about sending an Alice army after Alice that's where I thought it would kind of go but saying that it, it just sets up the umbrella aspect of things and and I think the umbrella influence throughout this film is is cool like we've got Dr. Isaacs who should be Dr. William Birkin but anyway he's he's like actively trying to to do things and he's trying to hunt down Alice and it's kind of for a good reason he wants the he, he wants the cure yeah he Actually, like now that her, I talk about it, he wants confused. he wants yeah like he wants her blood he wants a sample of it because like even with all their other Alice's and stuff none of them are sort of as strong as her so or can enough, handle it yeah, as well yeah to, to bind with the T virus or whatever it is yeah now I, my my one question though is he's getting full day of the dead here, Tracy B like training smart zombies. And that really never turns into anything. Am I right in saying that? Like they're just a bit faster. Yeah. It pretty much just makes a zombie. That's sort of a little bit scarier because it's like a lot stronger. And really the only reason they sort of introduced that is so that they could have him turn into the big, bad, like boss man at the end of it. Because they're like, we, we need a reason why he would mutate quicker than, like, anybody else. Ah, uh, because he gets bitten yeah, by the they, super zombie, yeah. And yeah. They, put a, they put so much time into it. What is with these films and not knowing where to put time? I know. Why am I watching, like, a scene where he's arguing for, like, confirmation with Albert Wesker to do this yeah. thing? And then we have a scene where he's doing it and it almost becomes interesting and there's still zombies and then it becomes nothing later. Like, why did you put... 20 minutes into that. Like, why? What? What's your reasoning? What is it? That's a really good point, Connor. That's something that actually... It's one of the things that actually bugged me the most about this film. Is it just... it, It took a really long time to get into the story, in my opinion. Like, I feel like a lot of it was just sort of... I really feel like the bulk of the film was in, like, the last half an hour. Well, they they waste a lot of time just set... Not wasting, because I do appreciate it. They're setting up the post-apocalyptic world. Like, we get a whole scene with Alice getting tricked by a bunch of rapists who put her into a... 
into Which a pen with some Which that scene is so dogs. cool. I fucking love it. It's fucking that awesome. Scene. But it yeah. really doesn't mean anything to the rest of the film, does it? It's no. just like showing this is the world we live in now. We've got a post-apocalyptic, you know, cliche here where we've got somebody saying that they're they're uh, you know, in danger and she goes to help and it's like, ah, oh, it's a fucking trick. Um Yeah. Cool. I liked it. The dogs were awesome. Are they always Dobermans? Do they only have fucked yeah. up Dobermans? Is that like a thing? Like, why don't we have fucked up Chihuahuas going on? <laughs> <laughs> I would but, pay to see that. <laughs> but you're right. They do. There's a lot of setting up and it's not until we get a good hour into the film where stuff starts progressing. Yeah. Which I, it's, I don't know. See, I feel bad in saying that I'm annoyed that it took that long to get to the story because in the last one and in the first one, one of my main complaints was that they didn't really build on the characters enough. Whereas I feel like even though it did bug me that it took a lot longer to really get into the, the nitty gritty of the story, they did sort of manage to create characters and sort of build on Alice to a point where I felt for them. And, you know, when they did die, I was, I was, was upset so yeah I don't know it's sort of it's sort of hard for me to really really hate on that a hundred percent when I feel like they sort of succeeded in other stuff I don't know it's hard I just like I I don't know what it is about like there's just I think it's still a thing for me where I kind of find myself struggling with certain moments because they still have this problem with tone like still a little bit like in this one it's a little less yeah it's definitely not it's definitely not as wacky as it's been but like it's still there's still moments of it you know and it just man it just takes me out of it so quick the moment it happens like i even said like it was it's like nothing in this in comparison to the others but there's still just moments of it where I'm watching and I'm like, oh, this just doesn't need to happen. <laughs> this this doesn't need to be this way. I'm not going to lie. There was one moment that I was like, that is cool. Like, I really like that. Where she shuts down oh, and she's just yeah. standing there. Man, that was so satisfying watching her just stand there. And then she's fighting it in the satellite and she just comes back. And I'm like, man, that's so baller. And they're like in the tent and they're freaking out. And they're like, oh God, like she's coming straight for us. That was really cool. Again, why are they in a tent and not in their base? Their base seems to be around the corner. I don't understand why they needed to be in a tent. But like, it just... Well, they had to to get a chopper to it. So it can't be around the corner. Oh, that's true. I mean, but like, if you if you were like infested with zombies, I think a helicopter would be the best way to travel anyway. True that. All the time. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, they can't yeah. just walk out the gate. <laughs> yeah, I, but that was a yeah, that was a moment, I guess. That was a good moment. I also thought that moment was quite good as as well as a way to sort of explain why so many characters and so many good characters sort of got killed off in that spot. Because a big part of me was like, no, no, they shouldn't be dying. But then another part of me was like, well, I feel like it's sort of explained quite well. Because mm, Alice really can't... Run. Yeah, like Alice isn't there to sort of help them. And it's really sort of showing like, oh, fuck. Like sort of setting up the tension of it by saying Alice really needs to get back online. Or else, you know, basically everybody's going to die. And it was a really cool scene. It was a really cool scene when all the zombies start coming out of the container. I don't know how many zombies they fit in that container. It seems like hundreds and hundreds of oh, them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they just keep coming, man. But, you know, you've got Mr. Cowboy up on the on the Eiffel Tower as a oh. sniper position and just got, like, random, you know, people getting killed off as well. Uh, yeah. it's just, It was a hectic, hectic scene for quite a slow burn of a movie at this point. And, and not in a bad way. Like like I said, I'm, I'm liking all the setup and I'm liking this world and 
but we finally get to like a climax where it literally feels like they're overrun and how how are they going to get out of this and it is justified that everybody dies i agree like and chase falling off the off the eiffel tower like just jumping to his death like it's really cool moments really really cool moments there and then and then we get into the big boss fight so mr isaacs is being turned he's just dosing himself with with antivirus because he's been bitten by one Roid up baby yeah yeah Roid me up oh dude what are you doing he's like i'm getting jacked bro like, <laughs> now i had swole. i had problems with um you know the look of the nemesis in the last film but this time around this guy looks fucking cool when he mutates yeah he does Oh, actually, that was one thing I really wanted to bring up with you guys. So, you know how my whole beef with the second one was the terrible, terrible zombie makeup? Oh, yeah, how, like, yeah, big turnaround. Ken, fresh in this, yes, hey. wasn't this a massive turnaround? And even like what you just said yeah. there, Fish, like that whole um, look at the end, that was fucking amazing. I thought, seriously thought that the makeup for this film was so good and it had like, it had a real 80s zombie vibe to it. it. Like a lot of the zombies, yeah, like and especially, and I think that's why I really liked the opening even more is because as soon as it started to pan out from the zombie out uh, from the Alice clones to the zombies I was like fuck oh my god their makeup already looks so much better well, talk, so much better talking about like that 80s feel like I they're really channeling Romero in this one you know oh, yeah. it's like because it's like it's like they wanted to make a traditional zombie film and and step mm. away from the the video game world so they could make this Romero-esque film like like i said before the the whole training of the zombies feels very day of the dead to me like yeah it's the post apocalyptic thing feels like a lot more like an 80s zombie movie the the makeup is is very remnant of it as well and i i really appreciated this makeup because i i haven't really looked into it too much over the last two movies have kind of just been like ah oh, they it's old they're older movies and they're kind of a bit dodgy but this time around i was like man these guys look sick yeah they look yeah, they so look good cooler. i really really like the whole kind of 80s feel that this film had like especially because it had a very mad max feel to it as well and actually the thing i really really liked about this is um the director was actually the guy who did Razorback yeah he's an Aussie and director I, I didn't realize yeah yeah and i feel like because I fucking love Razorback. That Razorback is so good. so good. He also did Highlander. Um, yeah. So there I... can only be one. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of that real 80s sensibility has come it through does. to this film yeah. in, like, the right kind of way. And I feel like it really, really added to the, f- like, just the tone of the film. Yeah, the aesthetic of it is so much cooler than the other ones because it, it's basically its own thing. Like, it, it's, it's a good mesh of old school 80s action horror sort of things matt well yeah which 80s and then 70s was that 80s anyway it's um first first one was 70s wasn't it yeah i think road warrior was in the 80s but anyway yeah and then the third one was 2007 and it was called resident evil extinction because (laughs) this film is mad max yeah, but it's cool though. Like it is cool. Like it's. I feel like if you make any post-apocalyptic movie with a convoy, it's gonna be a Mad Max parallel, which is fine. Well, stop it- making them with convoys. <laughs> stop making them with convoys. That's, that, why? 
I, like, but you got to say it, it is cool, though. It is cool. Like, it's a good. Oh, it what I'm Don't saying is that wrong. it's a good it's... mix of that '80s aesthetics with modern day filmmaking yeah. and effects because they mm. like this movie looks awesome. This is the best shot one so far. Yeah, easily. Definitely. Like, it's so Hands pretty. Down. It is. It is. It is really pretty. I mean, like the whole the production production design in this film is next level, mm. and the visual effects are amazing. Like, yeah. Like, they are just really, really good. The crows look sick. Yeah. Like, the crows looked really good. This film's filmed and shot in 2007, and it looks just great. Like, it's a very, isn't very it, pretty film. Isn't it funny what five years of advancements in, in visual effects can do? Like, it was only five years uh, earlier that we were looking at, you know, the first Resident Evil. Do you not Evil. feel, though, right? Do you not feel, though, just in comparison to the prior film? Like, I feel like this film was meant to answer a lot of questions and follow on from the ending of the second one. Because if you remember the second ending, like, it's a big setup, you've got all this stuff, and, like, we come into this film, and tonally it's completely different. Tonally, visually it's completely different. Everything about it's completely different. And then then what (laughs) bothers me more, though, is, like, they've, like, wiped any real relevance from the prize story. That little girl isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. The English one, whatever her name was, or the American one. I don't know who she was. Angie, Jill's, yeah. Jill's gone. And then the other two characters that are pretty big players in the last film are kind of like, they kind of brush it off like it's nothing, like they've got bigger fish to fry. And I'm like, that's cool. Even the whole aspect of Jill being controlled by Umbrella. Like, I, for so long watching this, I'm like, what the hell's going on? Wasn't that like a big deal? And they track her again via satellite and they turn her off for five seconds. Mm. Like, I was like, I don't understand. Like, I understand that you, you, it's clear that you want to have these films kind of be somewhat standalone because by the third, they're all very different. But, like, there's a part of me that really wanted to see the dynamic and the relationships that were developing in the second one to continue. Absolutely. And instead, L- LJ doesn't really get anything with Alice. Like, they don't even... They're not even like, Hey, man, how you been? Good. Like, yeah. what have you been up to? Did you get that job that you applied for down at Kmart or whatever? But, like, instead, they just... <laughs> like, it's nothing. And then their relationship with Old Mate is so surface level that it's gross. Like, I feel like if this is, these are years Carlos. and years later... And yeah, and like quite literally, the the person who can save your life at any given moment, Alice, like just ditches you, I'd be pretty pissed off. Like I'd be pretty pissed. So mm. that was kind of like, I don't know, that was disappointing because I find I found myself going, like, this is cool, but where is like I'm watching the third in a trilogy. Yeah. Please connect them. Like, where's the story? I wanna feel like I'm watching I'm watching something with like that has, you know, depth to it, not just Here's the next thing Alice does. What adventure does she find herself in next? Ah, yeah. There's next. There's next to no connection, and that's my biggest beef with the film. Actually, it feels like they're torn between wanting to make a completely different film that steps away from the rest of the franchise, i.e., the Mad Max Mm. film, and continuing the story. But they're still like, oh, we'll just keep little remnants of it in there, just so you know. I suppose we have to, but then go on to make the whole Project Alice thing the main point of the story. So why aren't we focusing on that from the start? You know what I mean? Um, like you said, yeah. um, Tracy, it really doesn't become relevant until about half an hour from the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to bring up um, Jason O'Mara as Wesker in this one. Oh, yeah, Wesker. It's, Fucking such uh, a non-entity. Oh, I know. And I feel really bad saying this because, like, 
you know, like the one time I met Jason O'Mara, he seemed like a really, really nice guy. So I hate to say this, but he was so boring and so nothing as Wesker. Like, I really felt like there's so much he can bring to that role. Like, even if he is just sort of sitting there, but he didn't sort of bring... I don't know, when I was sitting, like, looking at him, when he was just sitting there, there wasn't any time where I felt sort of scared of him or that he might be somebody who I need to watch out for. I, I was kind of just like... Mm. I did, but only because of his character in the games. I was like, yes, that's exactly. Wesker, he's the big bad. Were you the same, Connor? Yeah, Wesker's the man. He's so sick. I love him so much. He's such a baller. So when he popped up, I was like, ah! And then when he started talking like... White bread. I was like, what, what's happened? What's going yeah. on? Here? Where does See, glasses aren't even right. What the hell? Like, what? that bothered me so... That's not what his glasses look like. He doesn't wear that BS. What the hell's going on? That... Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, he's such a baller and he's so nothing in this film. So who who is this yeah. guy? Who's the actor, Tracy? Oh, uh, it's Jason Murray. Do you remember um, he was on uh, Terra Nova? Was he? Which one? Yeah. He was like the main guy in Terra Nova. Is it? Oh, yeah, that's who, that's wow. his way Wesker. It's, yeah, Jason O'Mara. Because did you meet him on Terra Yeah, Nova? I did. He is a nice guy. Yeah, he's, and he, he does is a nice he does guy. all like hey. the he does all the voices for the new Batman animations. Yeah, yeah. So he he's the one playing Wesker. But yeah, shit, so I, I didn't was... even realize it's because he's. I know he's, he's so different. Hair. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it... I like he, he's definitely gotten better at acting since this one. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he comes back, so we'll talk about him in the in the next film. But I. I did. I didn't mind his look. He was kind of had like the slick, and he's got the sunglasses in like from the games. What's were they different in the games? I can't really remember. They just. I don't know what it is. They just in this film. They just look stupid. It, it, like they just looked real. Clunky they're a bit. And... Um. They're a bit like service station sunglasses that you buy for ten dollars. <laughs> <aren't they? laughs> That's exactly what it is. I had. A, yeah. I did have a laugh when he first sort of comes in, and you know they're all sitting around the table having the hologram conversation, and then it, he, he goes away. It's like, oh, he's not actually there. But then everybody yeah. disappears. But they had water, glasses of water oh, on the did table. They <laughs> it's like it's a hologram. It's a Skype conversation. We don't need water. I never saw funny. that. So funny. Oh no, you guys! I seriously have three bottles of water sitting here. For well, you I have guys. it here, but I have it like we haven't set out a, a meeting room to do this conversation right now. <laughs> you know, like and we haven't got little assistants oh, coming on. in and, and pouring, refilling <laughs> our water for us. <laughs> I'd you've like got to, that. You've got to set the illusion. We all have a massive table that we do these podcasts at. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And Fish is actually sitting here wearing his Wesker glasses right now. Ah, oh, damn it. You, you've called me out. God oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I'm ready to, to wrap this puppy up. How about you? Yeah. yeah. Let's get on to my favorite segment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, Tracy B, what you got? The good for me was the overall look of this film. I thought it was so beautiful and I felt like it sort of tied into the first one enough and it really, really upped the ante from the second one because I fucking hated how the second one looked. <laughs> God. Uh, I, my good is going to be the crow scene. That was pretty fresh. Watching everyone get murdered. I, I, I like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm there too. Any any time like the creature scenes were happening, I, I really liked it. Like I loved the dog scene, the crow scene is next level, and um, even that final bit with the zombies. When shit was going down, it was going down. I like it. 
bad. Yeah. Tracy. The bad for me would probably be how long it took to get into the story. Even though I did enjoy the ride, I kind of was looking for just a little bit more story. Mm. Um, not to say that I wasn't entertained, but that's probably my bad, because I had a really hard time trying to think of bad things from this film, because I fucking really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Connor. Uh, Albert Wesker. What the hell, man? <laughs> like, I was so disappointing. What the F? What about you, Fish? Mine would be just, like, the lack of connection to the other films. Like, Trace, you said in your good that you liked the connection. I'd know. This, the connection to the last one is horrible. And that's pretty bad when you're doing a franchise. <laughs> so that's my bad. Wait, this is a franchise? <laughs> <laughs> Good one. The Ugly, Tracy. Um, okay, well, The Ugly for me, and it's kind of the opposite of Ugly, but I found it ugly, uh, was the, the makeup, but like the beauty makeup of all the characters, especially Kmart, was too nice. Way ha. too nice. That's funny you said like, that, because I was watching this with my girlfriend Beck, and she pointed that out as well. She's like, why yeah. would they have so much makeup on out in the desert? Yeah, and that sort of really, really irked me, especially because I thought... What the hell? Yeah, I noticed that as well, actually. Yeah, because I felt like the rest of the makeup in this film is so good, and I'm like, the creatures and everything look so good, and I was just kind of like, they're really, really falling short by just having everybody look spotless and beautiful. Packing I was like, on. you could really sort of... Yeah, you know, they could have, like, a whole other dimension to it if they just kind of, like, uglied them up a little bit. Yeah, and Alice looks the best that she has in all of yeah, this. Yeah, oh like, my she god, looks she incredible. looks fucking amazing. But and, like, her outfit as well was so cool, but that's apparently, like, her own clothing brand. Yeah, I read that. she wears through the film. But um, what I'm saying, like, yeah. they, they actually, like, you know, went in and photoshopped the shit out of her at points because there's parts where she actually looks like a doll. She's so smooth yeah. and and it's kind of off-putting at times, um, but yeah. So I agree. That's a that's a that's a pretty ugly, <laughs> ugly point there. Yeah, it's probably like the prettiest ugly. The prettiest yeah. ugly. Yeah, I like I like the uh, the contradiction there. It's very nice. My my ugly has to be just the severe lack of acknowledgement to any prior like anything. Like it's just so nothing. They just they've done it for the third time now. Well, the second time, technically, where they've just brushed off all these big points that they like to set up at the end of the last film, which is what irks me the most, is that they set it up like it's this big thing, and it's going to be this big part of the next one, and hey, we've got to wait a few years, but the payoff's going to... Oh, never mind, nah, don't worry, we're, gonna, we're, we're ignoring that. It's a desert now, it's a desert. Hey, look at it, it's a desert. F you guys. Stop doing that to me. <laughs> What's your ugly? Ah, uh, the telekinesis stuff. <laughs> just... <laughs> like it's cool but it's just it just doesn't fit for me and it's just an ugly fit so there I'm at okay guys let's get out of here Tracy B what are your final thoughts and what do you give Resident Evil Extinction out of five <laughs> I actually really, really liked this film. And I don't know if it's, it's just because I really didn't like the second one so much that going into this one, I had no expectations. But I was actually, oh, I don't even know why exactly, but there's just so much to this film that I really, really enjoyed. And I think it has a lot to do probably with the fact that I'm such a big fan of just 80s films and especially like, you know, that whole Mad Max look and everything. I feel like it all just really was particularly selling to my the things I like <laughs> so I I'm probably only going to give it a three out of five though like a 3.5 out of five though because I feel like there was a lot wrong with it and I can acknowledge that but I so want to give it a four just because that's my enjoyment level of it <laughs> cool. give it a four so it's a four okay. give it a four 
I'll give it a four then because yeah. yeah, I did enjoy it. If you enjoy it, that's where it's at. That's it. Yeah. Look, look, I love Mad Max just as much as the next person, but <laughs> in this one, Tom Hardy has lost so much weight; it's a little disgusting. <laughs> and I understand that he's a method actor, and he looks but like it's a, a doll. Little frustrating. <laughs> he looks like a doll. Nah, like this series isn't necessarily like something that I have any sort of nostalgic connection with or even like you know there's such they're so distant from the video games that the sort of connection i do have is kind of like shat on every time i get my hopes up <laughs> so i kind of sit a little disappointed anyway but i mean it's the production value is huge and the world they've built is really really cool the story itself is is somewhat pretty boring and i've seen a convoy story before um which is why i keep making these jokes about mad max because i've seen this before and that's annoying They've kind of done a good job of sort of connecting the two worlds that they have where it's that silliness of, of Alice and her backflips and her sort of that neo-matrix sort of thing that was so popular then and um, this sort of dark tone, that you know, that, that, that actual post-apocalyptic tone and put them together pretty well. I still struggle at times with it. Um, Albert Wesker was disappointing and stuff like that is stuff that takes me away from it where... They, they, they try and keep it simple, but then they throw in these big, like, plot things. And I'm like, how do I trust that this is going to eventuate into anything if in the past two films, it's never eventuated into really anything ever? Like, and again, it doesn't. The whole zombie thing where they're trying to create a zombie army basically is nothing. And it ends up just being Old Mate gets bitten by one of them and just roids up. Like, why did I have to wait the entire film to see that? That could have happened midway through, and at least I'd understand there's a looming threat that would actually be some sort of payout, but it's not. And the clone thing, it's great, but what the hell? It doesn't... <laughs> what? <laughs> why? And at the end, when she's like, oh, I'm going to come with my army of clones, I'm like, that is just stupid, isn't it? That's really dumb. That sounds like a dumb idea. That sounds really dumb. It did. It sounded really dumb. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to watching that. So I can't wait for the next one where that becomes a major plot point. All the clones that she makes a big deal about being a major plot point in the next film. I give it a three out of five. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to like the next one. Um, okay, God. so my biggest, you know, my biggest thing that I'm always shitting on these films for is the connection to the games. And look, there's barely any th connection to the game here. So I've just had to get the fuck over that. And I do because I like this film. <laughs> I do. I like this movie. I think it's a good, like, sort of standalone. It's, it is disappointing that it doesn't connect enough with the rest of the the franchise, which is, you know, when you're making a franchise, you kind of need to have at least some resemblance of a flowing narrative. And there's, like, severs of a flowing narrative going on here. And they just kind of explain everything off with a line of dialogue, but it's not really good enough. But... Watching this film, I still get enough of Alice, I still get enough of Umbrella, I still get enough zombies and creatures and, and all that fun shit in a post-apocalyptic world. I think this is probably, you know, if, if you just watch this as a standalone movie, I think this is probably the most well-crafted film of the three that we've watched so far. So that in itself is a big plus because the other two kind of felt a little bit B-grade-y, whereas this one is, you know, teetering into the you know the blockbuster level that i sort of expect from a movie that costs 45 million dollars to make <laughs> yeah. so yeah look i got behind everything here i was disappointed that they killed off all the fun characters and the the ending like 
I do get a little bit excited about the whole clone thing because they've set that up from the start, and, I, and I'm feeling like, oh, this finally we're going to progress the Umbrella story. Overall, I had a, I had a pretty good time with this movie. I I think it's slightly better than Apocalypse, but I've got that nostalgic connection to Apocalypse. I know you hate it, Tracy, but it's not quite yeah. as good <laughs> as the first one to me because, yeah. again, my nostalgic connection to that. So this one gets a 3.5 out of 5. Nice. There we go. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention as well, as far as nostalgia sake goes, I forgot to mention at the start, I was actually working at the cinema when this particular one came out. Mm. So I'd seen like a fair few bits and pieces of it when I would go on and do cinema checks. So I was actually so pumped to sit down and fully watch it. And I think that like, and also having a bit of a connection to back when I used to work at the cinema and stuff like that, I kind of was like, oh, yeah. So maybe, maybe that has a bit to do with it as well. <laughs> Nostalgia. I love it. 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 Well, guys, we're going to talk about another Resident Evil movie next week. It's called Afterlife and hopefully it will continue the story. But until then, thank you for listening. Get on our Facebook. Fucking like all our shit. Listen to us on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes. You can find all our episodes there. Connie, you got anything else to say? Or have I said it all? Play the music, Fish. That's all I say. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fish and Connoisseur a Movie. Fish and Connoisseur a Movie does not own any rights to the film Resident Evil Extinction, its marketing, or its soundtrack, and no infringement is intended. The track White Rabbit is performed by Collide, the track Convoy is performed by Charlie Clouser, and the track The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly titles is performed by Eddie Morricone. Morricone.